low moral fiber. It's choo choo choo. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. This is how I sell episode two. And I know who you're talking about, man. <laughs> okay, so let's move seamlessly now. And I'm Kurt Reynolds. Dirty then. Double down, no. We need to give a parental advisory for this. Clicking furiously on my mouse. Eat it. Eat the paella. All right, everybody. Let's get swifty. That was cool. That was fun, guys. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that if it were a psychic merit badge would be a faulty confusion grenade. I'm your host, Ben Helms, and with me, as always, is my older brother and co-host, Jason Helms, a man who has never exploded someone else's head with his own telekinetic powers. Right, Jay? Uh, No, no, never. Um, At least not. There's no evidence of that. No, no, uh, it's captured a filthy rumor. No, no, no. Cool, cool. Anyway, uh, last episode brought up some issues. Uh, so today we're going to process through our emotional baggage with uh, maybe catch a maybe pick up a couple emotional cobwebs. Is that yeah. the right terminology? Uh, uh, mental cobwebs. <laughs> mental cobwebs. Thank you. With the two, I swear I played this game yesterday. Right. I should know this. Uh, with the 2005 double fine joint Psychonauts, the original. Uh, well, we'll start with some somewhat troubled development. Uh, a lot of troubled development. Uh, then move into the gameplay and reception, and then, of course, we'll play some What's the Beer, What's the Song. We'll talk about next month's game. We'll talk about what else we've been playing, and maybe a few closing thoughts. So, uh, yeah, do you, you want to set it up? The year is 2000. The year 2000. Robots have destroyed what's left of humanity, and Tim Schafer in disgust leaves LucasArts, mainly about the robot thing. I believe. Thousands of years ago. Thousands. Okay, so (laughs) Tim Schafer was at LucasArts. He was, uh, you know, I don't want to say the driving force there because he was not, you know, one of the original hires. But for the 90s, he kind of owned that mid-90s time. Him and uh, Gilly. LucasArts. Him and Gilly. um, Running uh, Day of the Tentacle, Full Throttle, Grim Fandango. Anything else we've played that was a a Tim Schafer deal? No, he started, I mean, he, he went from like testing and like very remedial kind of stuff up to running the biggest games every year. So yeah. he kind of ran the whole gamut the whole time he was there. Yeah, he was one of the original scumlets, I believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Early 90s. And then uh, went off and started his own uh, company called Double Fine. Which, by the way, do you know where the the name Double Fine comes from? I was just going to ask you. I, I, I think you we may have covered this before, but when you're going across the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, I think both directions, it says this is a what zone? Double Fine zone. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. Double fine zone. And so he wanted people when they're driving into the city, they're like, oh, this is double fine zone. This is what that did we not are. work. So- that did not work. That didn't uh, work on me. No, I, I didn't make the connection. Like, <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, until okay. just now. So, so yeah, it wasn't effective go. on me. There you go. But well, yeah, but that's maybe, maybe well, what more is, on me. before we get into the, the trouble development, what kind of what were your, I guess, preconceived notions? Because you hadn't played this before this month, right? No, no, no. Um. It was actually, I started it six months ago, uh, played for yeah, right. uh, okay. like five hours and then stopped and yeah, then yeah. came back to it. But uh, when it came out, so 2005, I played for maybe 15 minutes. I remember our friend Travis, shout out to Travis Wood. Yeah, Travis Wood. He had bought it and was saying, you know, hey, this is Tim Schafer's new game. Uh, he did your childhood. You may remember it. Right, right. And I was like, okay, cool. He's like, oh, it's really, really great. And he, he was interested in it for also like psychological reasons and thought, you know, this is doing some really interesting stuff as a video right. game. I remember playing it and being like, Okay, seems kind of cartoony. It doesn't seem to be doing that much like complex psychological stuff. Also, it's about a kid at camp, right? So it's like yeah. I don't, I'm not a kid. I'm an adult, Travis. So, so <laughs> returning to it, Travis was right. It does do do some stuff, but it does yeah. it with that tongue in cheek kind of way that it's it's not. Um, 
it, it doesn't seem overly complex uh, no. in terms of the ideas being right. expressed. Yeah, kind of what I knew about it, I knew it was a platformer, right? I thought it was kind of like Crash Bandicoot, but with like a the shafy twist, the like that Peter Chan artwork, that like weird, like nothing, no straight lines other than like the polyg- polygonal. Po- Damn it. Why po- can't I say that word? Polygonal. 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 Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of everything's weird. No two eyes are actually symmetrical. There's always like a big eye on the top left and a small eye and like everything's just kind of weird and cartoony. And so it takes the cartooniness of Crash Bandicoot and just like throws it through a blender. And on top of yeah. that platformerness, it it has like an open world level to it. Like, I guess the main part of the game is this open worldness that most other of those platformers don't have. Right. It's level one, then level two, then level three. And there's one way to beat all of them. But this game, you can do all sorts of weird directions. All right. So let's back it up. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting too too into it. Uh, yeah. So Schaefer started or he left. LucasArts in 2000 and then started almost immediately Double Fine Games. Started hiring people, people ex, uh, ex-employees of LucasArts, people that had worked with him on Full Throttle and Grim Fandango, uh, people like Peter Chan, people like Peter McConnell, and started diving into Psychonauts right away. They got funding from Microsoft, and it was originally, I didn't know this until, until I started doing the research, it was originally going to be an original Xbox launch title yeah. in, uh, I want to say, February 2002. Uh, and it didn't exactly work out that way because well, it took, I, I found a great interview with Tim Schafer where he was, he was saying something and it was like, it, it should have been like about how Microsoft pulled the plug on them. Right. That, right. That was right. Right. Supposed to be the what he's talking about, but instead he said, I honestly don't know why Microsoft gave us so much money for so long, Yeah, you know, <laughs> with so little to show for it. And, uh, so it was not a surprise when they pulled the plug and he had to go, uh, did he go to Sony next? Oh, they went to a a bunch of companies begging, but actually yeah. it, it to kind of stick with that time proudly, real quick. Proudly begging, proudly begging to make their their payroll. Please give us money. This is right after the dot com boom, and so people were pulling out of dot com startups and investing in them. So this is the perfect time to get money that five years later, five years before, they wouldn't have gotten from my, mm-hmm. from a company as big as Microsoft. So they got a lot of funding, and they were in a space where they were rent and software and hardware was super cheap because all these companies were going under. So they were able to go in and probably get a little over their heads as far as hiring too many people, owning right. too much stuff. The space they rented was too was getting too big and stuff. So that's where a lot of the money a year or two later ended up being much more expensive or a lot of the things, a lot of the capital, I should say, ended up being a lot, a lot more than what they could handle as a startup that had one game that was unpublished for the first couple of years. So yeah. And the, the contact at Microsoft, one of the CEOs, Ed freeze quit the company who ended up being one of the people that was kind of standing up for their game for the first two years of development. And as soon as they, as soon as freeze left, they canceled psychonauts because they were already moving on to Xbox 360. This is the same year that the Xbox had come out and they still weren't even halfway done with development of psychonauts. So they, canceled funding which pretty much meant double fine as a company was basically defunded right uh and it was there was like a five-month period where schaefer used personal funds to meet all the production costs payroll rent hardware software everything and he was going from company to company he actually he tells a story and it's just cool like 45 minute documentary of the making of psychonauts uh that he tells a story about uh how he went to a company they said yes what's your routing number like we want to fund you we're going to send you a quarter million dollars to, you know, this week, like send us your account stuff. We'll, we'll send it to you. And he went to a friend the week before or the, the day of, he went to a friend. He's like, I need $250,000. I need, 
I just need to pay my employees. They haven't been paid in a couple of weeks. Like, can you do that? I'm gonna, I'll give you the money next week with interest. Of course, he gets the money. He pays his employees. The money from that company never comes through, and they never contact him again. So he now owes his friend a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> that is, of course, the part a part of the money that he eventually gets from Majesco, the company that finally picks yeah. him up. Uh, Le- dear listener, this is not a good business plan. No, uh, and, and it was not. It was not Tim Schafer's business plan. But no, yeah, putting putting up your own money for this is. Oh my! It, it's not going to work out as well as it did for Tim Schafer yeah. and Psychonauts, and in many ways, that game is still a bit of a uh, cautionary tale. Dude, yeah. Well, it's a cautionary tale for Majesco, unfortunately, because because of how poorly this game did in the first year it came out. Majesco ended up going not going under, but they, uh, they essentially went under because they stopped funding video games and had to had to pivot to doing like online games and and kind of uh, reselling old titles and and not doing original games. Unfortunately, do you, do you think Tim Schafer's double agent that he's taking down other companies from within? Um, that, <laughs> he's always hated Majesco. Is that a theory? Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> no. But so, sorry, uh, sorry. D- during the the five or six months where they didn't have any funding, they actually took all of their two years of work on Psychonauts and repackaged it into a demo to sell to publishers, which finally got them money from Majesco lead designers, Eric Robinson, just real quick to, to shout out all the people who stayed with the company that didn't leave mm-hmm. lead designer, Eric Robinson artwork was Peter Chan who did a, a bunch of Schaefer games. If you think of David's tentacle full throttle, I think of the artwork of Tim Schaefer before I think of the games. And I really should be thinking of Peter Chan for all of that. Scott Campbell was another one of the, um, the artists who work on the game. Yeah, and you mentioned the uh, offset eyes and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of that was actually more of Scott Campbell's influence. Um, yes. He talked yes. about um, – I, re- I read a great interview with him where he talked about coming out of art school. And a lot of his friends had this – had a reason to do what they're doing. And, and he felt like he didn't. He didn't have a voice yet. He didn't have something to say. And Psychonauts gave him that. And oh, uh, wow. what he was thinking about is that feeling as a kid. He said, I felt like I always wanted to get the same kind of excitement that you got when you woke up as a kid in the morning. You were so excited to get back to drawing that battle or that weird thing you were drawing the other day. It's less about drawing and more like you were on an adventure. That's what I wanted to get, that same childlike excitement. And Linda Berry also writes about that in the the book, um, What Is It?, where she talks about as an artist slowly losing that childlike excitement, slowly starting to instead listen to the voice that says, is it good? Mm. does it suck mm-hmm. is it going to be great and that childlike excitement is really not worrying about that and so i think scott campbell was able to get in touch with that and you can see it in the art which i i think so much of the art you could look at and be like oh that sucks and yet the creation of all of it together is so beautiful and so amazing yeah. and yeah. as as the voice kind of continues it really mm-hmm. develops and you, and you get this overall aesthetic of psychonauts which is really unique and uh, mm. I, f- I find very compelling as uh, kind of a general design thing. Yeah, it took me a while to get into it because it's so weird. It's so different and so unique. Uh, but that's, I mean, those are the parts of the game that I love too. So uh, soundtrack composed by Peter McConnell, who won all those awards for Grim Fandango, that awesome kind of jazzy 1920s uh, vibe he did on Grim Fandango. And then as well as he won a few awards for this game as well. Yeah, all in all, uh, it's the game spent over four and a half years total in development, although with all the like complications and dropping the publishers and, and just the real development, they they claim was about two years. Uh, but yeah, just with starting a company, hiring people, moving a couple times, losing funding here and there, uh, it ended up being a total uh, team of 42 full-time developers over that time, as well as additional contractors with a final budget of $11.5 million. 
which in 2005 with a team, or I guess even before that, with a, a brand new company that's constantly losing and gaining funding, it was just such a bloated game for an independent company too, a small company. Uh, yeah, he talks about, Tim Trevor talks about the first time he got, uh, it was for uh, Grim Fandango. He got a check, a royalty check. His first royalty check for Grim Fandango was $100,000. He was in his 20s, didn't have wife and kids and mortgage or anything like that. And he just sat there. And as soon as he got that check, it was one of the things that made him want to leave LucasArts and start his own company with that $100,000, which to him was like this insane amount of money that he would never be able to get again. He has to do something smart. So he starts a company and borrows a bunch more money to make a game for $11 million that barely even saw the light of day. I mean, it could have been canceled. So it was canceled. Uh, but yeah, kept kept pushing through, bunch of people working for free. Kind of a, a cool miracle story that even ended up getting launched. But yeah, it finally did. Spring of 2005. Uh, and then actually the, the Xbox 360 ended up getting launched six months after that. So the development of this game took up before the Xbox was launched through almost the entire launch of the Xbox up until the 360. Just to give some yeah. context of how long this game took to to launch. Just just remember that our uh, previous, uh, I think, two games ago, Shadows of the Empire, was a release game with the N64. Yeah. And one of the toughest things about that game is the controls and how bad they were. Mm-hmm. And there is um, – I think there's some issues with the control in Psychonauts. Uh, I, that's probably the weakest point of the game. Imagine if it had come out with the Xbox, if it had actually been a release oh title. Yeah. Oh man, that control would have been tough, and yeah. it wouldn't have been near the game that it is because of that extra time developing. Uh, yeah. It would have been so much thinner. And we talked about how, yeah, it didn't do very well commercially in the first year it was out. It sold about a hundred thousand uh, retail units. Uh, part of that is due to the fact that it was two thousand five, and this is before Steam was a thing, before GOG was a thing, before Xbox Online was a thing. And so, thirteen years later, after a strong cult following, and thanks to digital distribution primarily i would say they've sold over 1.7 million copies and they bought the rights from majesco a few years ago i don't know the exact year off the top of my head but they uh they got all the rights and he said since they got the rights they've sold over 1.4 million so i don't know what percentage that is but 1.4 out of 1.7 million was thanks to them being able to put the games in once they got the rights they started putting the game in humble bumbles humble bundles packages uh, Steam, GOG, it's kind of all over. Now you can get on iOS, PlayStation. They kind of you know just wanted to get it out. And you're talking about how because it's included in so many uh, sales and bundles that a lot of people have the games in their libraries and didn't even know it. And so they, they see it in their library of games they already own and they start playing and they just get sucked into this world that they've heard about the game from just it being this super hyped game for years and then getting dropped and finally coming out. Uh, and they start picking it up 10, 15 years after the game originally was launched. Yeah, in terms of kind of the cult following it's gotten, one of my favorite game critics, Dan, Danielle Riendo of Waypoint, yeah, yeah, says that Psychonauts is her favorite game of all time. And so oh, wow. I wanted to read just a quick quote from her review of it. Um, this was written last year um, where she's just kind of reminding people of it and said um, – Here's her summary. Levels all take place in people's minds, and the ways in which Double Fine plays with pop psychology conceits like mental baggage are actu- and actual serious concepts like processing traumatic events is the core of the experience. Psychonauts is equally comfortable playing with psychedelic playgrounds and sad, lonely spaces, and it does, does so with finesse. According to the game, life is really absurd and painful and funny and sad, and it pulls no punches in looking at it all with a wistful, hopeful grin. And I really love that quote because it cool. gets – 
Yeah. It's long, but it gets everything about Psychonauts in there. Yeah. That it is such a unique game that attempts to do so much and really does, I'd say like 90% of it really, really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, my favorite quote about this game was from, from Schaefer. And it was the fact that, or the quote is no one in Psychonauts is irredeemable. He talks about the fact that he loves that. There's not this like black and white, good versus evil. There's not really any bad guys, right? There's just misunderstood people who act mean or crazy, but, you discover by you know putting a door on their forehead and jumping into it, uh, a lot of them at least that they're they're just normal people dealing with their own inner demons or issues with their psyche or like you said traumatic events. That through this platform type mechanism, you can help them solve these problems and kind of bring them back to a healthy space. Even the ultimate bad guy who take who's trying to take over the world is the main character of the last cutscene. Right, spoiler here. Yeah. He's yep. totally redeemed. You've helped yep. him figure out his mental issues, and he's a teacher at your, at your summer camp again. I love the chart that he gives uh, at the very end, uh, which is why uh, this explains that uh, yes. while that, w- that was totally my fault, and, and I take responsibility and I apologize, uh, I am no longer a danger to anyone. Everything's yep. fine. Everything's going to be okay. This blip on this MRI says that yeah. all of my mental cobwebs were cleared. Everything's cleared. We're, yeah. we're all good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, back it up before we get into the gameplay one more time. E3 2005, it won the Game Critics Award for the best original game. Uh, it also won the British Academy Video Games Award of 2006 of the best screenplay. I won a couple of awards for sound and a, a couple of other awards for best original game. I think that's the coolest part about this game. Yeah, is that it's it is a truly original game. Like it is not like anything I've ever played. Uh, the platformy elements are, but story wise, visually. Even the way it uses the platform parts and and puts them throughout the game in different ways are done in such original ways. The cube level where you're playing on a giant cube and you have to go to different faces of the giant cube. So good. The the um the milkman level yeah. where you're walking through a neighborhood and it's just like winding up and down and you're never really sure what is up and what is down. Yeah, and I'm trying to think about I, I think a lot of these things individually had been done in terms of platformers, but it pulled together so many of them mm-hmm. in new ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any individual control that was brand new. Uh, but for instance, the grinding mechanic I thought was really, really good yeah. in this game. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a really small thing, but that, that mechanic was just done so well. You got a real sense of momentum and weight uh, yeah. as you did it. Yeah. Um, so they probably accidentally made a skateboarding game in the middle of this game. True. Um, you know, just in terms of all of the development. Uh, so what's next for Psychonauts? We've got Psychonauts 2 coming out next year. Um, supposedly that, uh, next year, yeah. Supposedly. Yep. Sorry, I've been pushed back a bit, but we'll Terrified. see. Yep. Uh, but Rhombus of Ruin has actually come out. That's a standalone game um, that happens, I believe, between the two games. And that's on PSVR. So we Have will you played play that, that. No. Okay. Uh, I have a PSVR, but I wanted to wait until I finished Psychonauts before cool. I started uh, the Rhombus of Ruin. And now I may dabble in it, but I'm probably going to wait to play through it until we're together uh, since you don't have a PSVR. That way we can play it together and experience it. Yeah, so he, the game is talking about rescuing Truman Zanotto, right? Which is how yeah. Psychonauts ends. Like, oh, yeah. Truman Zanotto's been kidnapped. We must go save him. And they, Tim always wanted that to be like this Back to the Future 2 type, like, we got to go save your kids, Marty, or whatever. You know, like this thing that that is a cliffhanger to the next episode. But at the same time, he wanted to use it as just like a a sinking you into the this is a real world scenario. These are real superheroes these psychonauts and it was, they never had plans on making a psychonauts too. But when they had the idea of doing like a standalone VR adventure, he's like, Oh, that'd be fun to not only not necessarily bridge the gap. Cause we won't, we want Truman Zanotto to be like this big part of psychonauts too, but just kind of like a standalone adventure, which I thought was cool. Right. You don't have to like 
know all of the lore as much as just like oh this is like a one scene a one-off play it's a really short game but it's a, it's this cool vr adventure that that doesn't necessarily have to tie in the two games it doesn't have to bridge the gap between psychonauts one and two which is cool yep so yeah i'm excited about playing that uh you want to uh get into the gameplay let's do it This game took me a while to, to yeah. kind of to love it, and I ended yeah. up really, really loving it. Uh, but like even the the start menu when you're on the brain, the fact that you're a kid, it took me a while. I was like, wait, is this a kid's game? Is this Crash Bandicoot? Uh, Oleander's speech at the beginning where he's just kind of making <laughs> fun of the kids and upsetting them, I thought was hilarious. I still don't know what the characters are. Yeah, are they people? Are they? Are they- Part of me is like, maybe this is a dream the kid's having because everyone's a little distorted. Is this just Scott Campbell? Yeah. Right? Is this just how he sees the world? Like, well, and I, it's interesting because at one point in the game, you get the clairvoyance tool and you can literally see how other characters view the world. Yes. And so your appearance changes depending on who's looking at That's, you. That is so, so clever. I, I use it, that so much and it's always funny. Yeah. And it gives you a feeling for the world that you're seeing. Um, it's a pr- impressionistic because in a sense, you're seeing Roz's version of it. Right. And so I think, I think Raz, that that's Raz. Raz's version of it. I think that that's important. I think that that's part of it. It's not necessarily that they're inhuman. It's just they're distorted by his own mind in the same way that his father you know, fights his distortion at the end. And uh, it's interesting because those those two don't look all that dissimilar. Like, yeah, it's maybe some costume changes and stuff. And Raz's dad actually says, you know, is this what I look like to you? And I'm thinking to myself clearly because I'm still looking at you. Right. And right, right. I'm still seeing you through Raz's eyes to some extent. Yeah, that's true. That's a good idea. Is that even the the real dad at the end you're seeing through the psyche or the, yeah. the mental image of Raz. So even that version of it, which is like the nice redeemed one, still isn't the true dad. Right. Right. Like the, There's the, always the, some kind of effect. Filter. Yeah, 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 filter. yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So overall, the game, we can talk about certain levels and stuff, but 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 overall, big picture, uh, what were some of your frustrations? What were some of the, like the breaking points that you're like, this game is amazing. What were some of those moments for you? The bit, the good and the bad. I don't know many games that have had higher highs and lower lows in terms of how I felt about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some of the writing I thought was just so funny and so poignant at times and, and interesting and just so well done. The characterization, the art, uh, the ideas being expressed were so good. And I was so frustrated with the, the mechanics, the, uh, the actual controls throughout. I thought the controls were not great. And, you know, that's that's tough. That's not um, Schaefer's strong point, right? And I think like, it's also, just for, for me going off the controls, it, it was made for Xbox, and I'm playing in Xbox One 13 years later. And so I I think if I was playing on original Xbox, it, definitely, it would definitely be easier. But there was points when I just didn't know what button it wanted me to press because it was saying, press the black button, press the yes. white button, which aren't buttons on my controller. Yeah. And I can't remap them on an Xbox. But the initial reviews uh, critiqued the uh, controls as well. Yeah, so it, okay. it's not just us. I think a lot of it is um, uh, not not just that the controls aren't very tight because that's very true. I, I don't think they're very tight. Mm-hmm. But the ability to change your psychic powers at will mm-hmm. between three different buttons so that um, I found myself being like, okay, I need to always make it so that when I shoot my – Always uh, R2. It's always, R, always R1 or R2 yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it is that it's always going to be the same one because otherwise I will forget. So I found that yeah, L2 yeah. for me was always the levitate one. Hey, me too. Just, or yeah. L, L1. L2 was float, I think. Oh, I had vice versa, but still. Oh, cool, cool. Um, okay. 
Yeah. So <laughs> you, but you find those ones and you, you start to stick with it. But the fact that there's only three of them and there's 12 or eight or whatever it is, psychic yeah. powers yeah. means that you're going to be changing them out. And it's, you, you may need to change out more than one at a time. And there may be new levels where you have to have two or even three completely different psychic powers than you're usually using. Uh, and because of that, it, it makes it really tough to keep, keep straight what the buttons are doing. And yeah. you're, you feel like you're relearning the controls every level or even some new sections of a level. Yeah, I wonder if it would have been better if they said, this button is always shooting something. This yeah. button is always a sh- either a shield or invisible, like a defensive thing. And this button is always levitate or you know something like that yeah. where it's like, oh, I always know. And I can interchange that button with three other things, but I always know this is an offense. This is a defense. This is a not or whatever. Maybe yeah. that would have been and better. you and I could have done that, right? We could have figured that and out. I, basically, ourselves. that's how we operated. But, yeah, yeah. But not until you've got all the psychic powers. Not until you've yeah, got enough true. of them to realize it's a problem. That's true. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know that I have a solution. I just know that, yeah, that is a problem. Yeah. I know um, during a glorious theater, right? That was the one yeah. where you're fighting the critic and you, I have to be invisible. I have to get the candles, then I have to be invisible so he doesn't get me and then jump up or I have to save my invisibility because it only lasts as long yep. as it takes to float up to the rafters. Then I have to throw the candle up there. Then I have to switch over to fire to, to burn the candle. And then I have to jump down, float down really quickly and then shoot fire at the other people to bounce. Like it's the most convoluted. Like you're constantly going into your menus to switch. Was that's the thing that pulls me out of it? Is you if you had to go have to go into a menu dozens of times during a fight, then you're not really. It's that, that's not good gameplay. If you're yep. take if you're constantly literally pulled out of the game to to play the game, that could have been smoother for sure. Yep. I don't know why. Right, so we t- taking a crap on the game before we get into the stuff we love. But well, we've crapped on all the. <laughs> All the stuff we hated, which was basically the controls. Yeah. And unfortunately fair. with a platformer, that's a huge part of the gameplay experience. Yeah. And so yeah. that's why I think it's sticking with us so much. But that's not necessarily a huge part of the game. And so the stuff I love is the metaphors that are created, the world that's created, this summer camp. Gogalore. Gogalore's the best. Gogalore's the best. Gogalore is the best. Gogalore is you want to get into it? You, you were ahead of me, so you tell me about Metropolis. Oh, uh, Gogalore. Okay. So at one point in the game, you. Um, Battle a lungfish, a right. gigantic mutated lungfish. Yep. And it's frustrating, platformery, frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. Then you go into the lungfish's psyche. And in the lungfish's psyche, okay, so you're in the mind of a gigantic mutated lungfish. And you are a monster, a gigantic monster, crushing the city in his mind that is called Lungfishopolis. And your monster name is Gogalore because you wear goggles. Uh, and then you battle another gigantic villain called Kombucha. Nope. Nope. Can't remember. Kokomora? There you go. That's That no. sounds about right. Is that what it was? Let me, let me just pull some of the fantastic quotes because the great thing is the people running around just start yelling things as you're crushing their cities and stomping on them and stuff like that like you Godzilla. I think the first person you kill just by talking in a normal volume is yes, slow so because great. you're talking oh. too loudly. Yes. So you have to learn to whisper yes. uh, to talk to them. And so uh, there's also a newscaster that's just like oh, yes. narrating what's happening. It like cuts in every few minutes with the, the breaking news thing. Yeah. So, oh my God, Gogolor's headed for the orphanage. Whew. Gogolor's headed away from the orphanage. Yeah. Oh my God, the puppy orphanage. <laughs> it's really, really stellar. Uh, I love that there is, I, I, like this is the complexity of it. All right. You're inside the mind of a mutated lungfish mm-hmm. and you are crushing their city. And within the city, there is a resistance against uh, Kokomara. And 
you align with the resistance fighters and the resistance fighters are not getting things done enough because of their own bureaucracy. Like conceptually, that's that's a lot going on. Yeah. And it's tough to to really get across how much fun that is and how my description of it sounds wrong because it never felt that complex. Every step of the way just felt like more fun. You're like, oh, yeah, of course there's resistance. Of course they just want to drop flyers to talk about the evils of Kokomura. You know, it's the, – the comedy just works on so many different levels all at once. Um, it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think my my favorite part of the kind of inception, right, the world within a world, the mind within a mind thing is Waterloo World, which yeah. the, the setup is there's a guy with a straitjacket and you need a straitjacket. Yep. So you, you take your little psyche door and you throw it on the guy's head. And you realize that he is a descendant of Napoleon Bonaparte. It's Fred Bonaparte is his name. And in his brain, he is playing a board game with this kind of RPG, Stratego type board game, or maybe uh, Settlers of Catan is a better example, uh, uh, with Napoleon Bonaparte. Napoleon's making fun of him. He says he'll never beat him. He's just, Fred's just a chicken. And so you jump down one more level into the game. You can run around and you can move the pieces of the game. And you realize, oh, you need to convince all of the people on Fred's side to fight for Fred. So you need to jump down one more level to get to the size of the people in the board game in the mind of this guy that you're controlling. It's just it was very much like inception noise every time I would like go up and down levels within this guy's brain to kind of solve this pretty long puzzle, too. It took me a couple hours just to do that one puzzle. Yeah, Um, I think the um, Black Velvetopia was the, the place where I was like the most. This is so Inception. This is so many levels. Yeah. And one of the places where I think some of the psychic metaphors work the best. So I won't ruin that for you, dear listener. Um, but yeah, some some great Matador um, Picasso action. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was solid. Uh, any other levels that we want to shout out right now before we kind of – I don't know. What else do we get into? Uh, oh, one more thing I just got to yeah, yeah. say about uh, Kokomara is um, – the way that he shouts out his attacks is just like the funniest thing ever. So, you know, you're used to uh, oh, Hadouken, yes. Yes. Uh, you know, some kind of name like that, uh, which I assume means fireball. Right. But he's yelling these things out, but they're completely in English. So he yells, overly intricate combination. Right. Very hard, hard to, to avoid block. Area attack. Area attack. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's those descriptions are just so much fun. Oh, my gosh. And then we have Meat Circus. Meat Circus. Which is uh, I will I have nightmares about meat oh circus, not just because it's a circus made out of meat. I think I was doing the asylum tower and I fell once and I just had to walk away from the game for a couple of days. And you were doing meat circus at that same time. And you're like, dude, you're frustrated at asylum tower. Just wait for meat circus. Was that wrong? <laughs> no, you were completely correct. But I had to finish the game in order to record the podcast. So I couldn't yeah. walk away for a couple of days. No, I understand. I, oh, ooh. my gosh. Now, I, I played Meat Circus while taking care of a six-month-old and a toddler. Oh, my gosh. I, I got the idea that the toddler said, uh, this is my daughter, said, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd love to watch you play a video game. That'll be great, Daddy. Can you play your video game again? I was like, okay, this is it, right? I'm, yeah. I'm home with the, kid, the girls. Uh, Megan's out. You know, I'm, I'm going to play my video game. Oh, boy. I, then I started to think about the, the psychic baggage that I'm giving them. Yeah, the mental uh, complex. Like, Wanting to yell at them for Maddie <laughs> putting her little uh, kitty cat doll on my shoulder and talking to me while I'm trying to jump from one tightrope to another while avoiding missiles. And I was like, you know what? I probably don't need to scream at my daughter. Right. Um, and that's going to happen if I keep trying to do this. Right. So let's let's play with your kitty cat. Let's uh, let's just pause this game. Yeah. The moment you think to yourself, stop bothering me because I'm playing this video game yeah. is the moment you're like, wait, that's a terrible thing to think slash say. I should yeah. probably stop. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Start thinking there. about my own representation in her mind. Right, um, right. Exactly. As I'm juggling puppies and meat cleavers or something exactly, like that. Exactly, you know? exactly. Whenever I think, like, stop bothering me because I'm doing this to my kid, I'm like, is this thing really more important than my daughter? No, I probably should stop. Even if it's, like, cleaning or washing the dishes or working or something, I'm like, I should probably give some attention to my daughter before I give her a complex. <laughs> and and every once in a while, there's the answer that, yes, this video game is more important than my daughter. So shout out again to uh, Thimbleweed Park. Yeah. <laughs> You're nice. Well done. They're going to say this thing that I'm doing, like driving. Yes, is more important than listening to my daughter. No, 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 no. No, I I constantly. Occasionally there are things. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, we have the characters, which were, I think, pretty solid. You do have the trope a little bit, I guess, where you're the damsel in distress. But it's definitely not a focus of the game, right? There's the damsel in distress, but she's just part of everyone who's in distress. You're saving essentially the world where you're saving everyone's brains. So they didn't lean too hard into that, which was nice. Um, yeah, they, they, it was a, just an original story, too, I thought. I'm sure there are stories like this, but the way that they kind of turned into the skid of the, the psyche aspect of the game made all of the the recycled parts of the storyline just turn them on their heads and became even more original. Yeah. Let me play as Lily in Psychonauts 2, and I will Ooh. forgive it. You know, yeah, uh, because she does have a ton of agency, but the fact that you're yeah. not actually p- controlling her means that you don't get to kind of experience that from within. And so that'd be cool. I, I think that 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 could go a long way uh, yeah. and not as neither or I would just like Psychonauts 2 to be from Lily's perspective. Um, but yeah, just putting that out there. Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Any other levels or anything we need to talk about? Let's uh, let's sing and drink. This game's pretty fun. With frustration When I was all done I just had to question What's the view, what's the song I can't always tell I just want to know What game is Westy 12 Alright Jay, what's the beer? Alright, my beer uh, And I chose a beer that I've never drank um, oh. I just used Google But it sounds really tasty Okay it is Psychic Laser by Southern Tier. Oh, on the nose. And yeah, yeah, a little on the nose. Uh, yeah. y- you can tell the terms that I ser- that I Googled with, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the cool thing about it. It's a Saison and a double IPA. And so what? now I really want to try this thing because those are like two of my favorite styles. They rarely get mixed. And th- that is, my guess is that it it might not work as well as I want it to in the same way that like, I don't know, a puzzle game and a 3D platformer might not always work to the to the way that you you think they'll go together, right? Is this going to be peanut butter and chocolate or uh, orange juice and toothpaste? Nice. Uh, I went with a beer that I have every year. It's a seasonal. Uh, it's one of my favorite beers of all time. It's Deschutes Jubilee Ale. I feel like Deschutes is the official brewery of Mulp sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they're it's their annual winter warmer, and it's it's kind of hard to find uh, off outside of the West Coast. Uh, and it, it's like Psychonauts in that it's very unique and it's mm-hmm. very different. Uh, every year it's a different recipe and even a different label every single year. Sometimes it tastes like oak. Sometimes it tastes like cherries. Sometimes it's like a honey almond sweetness. Uh, this year it's like a licorice dark oak flavor. Like it's super, it's always a little weird and it's always different and it's always amazing. I've never disliked a Jubilee. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of like Schaefer's games, right? They're all different. They're all weird. And so far, I I love at least a part of every single one of them. And I, I just like Psychonauts really, really enjoyed it. Yep. 
Uh, fantastic. Uh, for my song, I chose uh, Turtles All the Way Down by Sturgill Simpson. Another one where it's a, a genre that I don't usually love. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not a big country guy. Yeah. But Sturgill is so good. I'm not a big 3D platformer, but Psychonauts is so much fun. Yeah. And so uh, we're going to play a little bit of it, but I wanted to read some some lines from another section, not the section we're playing. So don't waste your time on nursery rhymes or fairy tales of blood and wine. It's turtles all the way down the line. So to each their own till we go home. To other realms our souls must roam. To and through the myth that we all call space and time. Which, again, a little on the nose. Uh, I think he was actually writing that song about psychonauts. It's a very convenient. Great album. There's a gateway in our minds that leads somewhere out there Far beyond this place Reptile aliens made of life Cut you open, pull out all your pain And I picked uh, Peter McConnell's uh, No, I'm <laughs> Another uh, song nice. written about for the game Psychonauts. No, I went with Dr. Worm by They Might Be Giants. The weirdest song of all oh, time. Oh, it's oh, them live. I, I mean, I've seen Foo Fighters live. I've seen... What other big bands have we seen live? Pearl Jam live. I've seen... A, I, I used to go to concerts a lot and... I'd say we didn't have kids. I know exactly. And I lived in a city, uh, but I've seen them might be giants three times all at the Fillmore in San Francisco, this tiny little club. It's this historic club though, but it's the three best shows I've ever seen. They put on an amazing show and Dr. Worm live. One of my favorite songs at that show. But yeah, it's a song that doesn't take itself too seriously, but takes itself serious enough to kind of live stably within its own world. And kind of consistently within that own workspace, even though it's an outrageous premise, right? Like all of that could be said about most of Tim Schafer's games, specifically Psychonauts. Uh, and it's, it's a song about uh, a worm named Dr. Worm, who isn't sure. a real doctor, but also likes to play the drums. He's getting pretty good. He'd like to know if you think he's getting any better. Okay. Uh, and he's a little self-conscious about whether or not you like how well he plays the drums. Sure. And all of that wrapped up within a <laughs> two and a half minute song. And it's just very much in the spirit of Psychonauts and kind of how weird it is, but uh, how earnest it is at the same time. I love that. Good morning, how are you? I'm Dr. Worm. I'm interested in things. I'm not a real doctor, but I am a real worm. I am an actual worm. I live like a worm. Also covered by one of my favorite bands of all time, Reliant K. Really solid cover. Kind of the, the only good thing they've done the past 10 years, to be honest. Anyway. Ooh. Oh, dig at the 10 Reliant K fans in the world. Anyway. Yikes. So let's talk about what we are uh, playing next month. All right. So, yeah. Uh, if you'll pardon the pun, the force behind LucasArts. Uh, wow. We're going to return to one of our favorite games that we played so far, which is Dark Forces. Surprisingly, yes. we loved it. And we're going to play the sequel, Jedi Knight, Dark Forces 2. And we're going to get into some some sequely issues. Um, so so Jedi Knight is the uh, uh, Jedi Knight is the sequel oh. to Dark Forces Two, and uh, uh, it's actually Jedi Knight One because there's a Jedi Knight Two, and that starts a whole new series uh, uh, following Kyle Katarn. And all right, so anyway, okay, the sequel numbers get weird, but it's Jedi Knight Dark Forces Two, uh, and that's where we're starting next time. Uh, if you have a Mac, our condolences. It is only available for PC. Uh, at least in terms of the current places it's sold. Uh, but a quick bit of Googling, maybe um, Dark Forces 2 Mac, will get you to a page that will there tell you, you how to make this happen so that you can play it on your Mac. 
Yeah. It takes some work, but it might be worth it. Uh, we will soon have a review and uh, tell you all about Dark Forces 2. Message us if you are confused about that at all, because it's something we have to do every few months with games. Yep. All right, so let's get into what else we're playing. And I, I'm going to dive in. I, I have kind of a stack of things because I, I have, I'm renowned. I don't know if well, you obviously know this because I'm renowned for it. Uh, at least amongst my wife and I, renowned for downloading games and having millions of apps on my phone that I've never touched. Yep. And you'll go through and I'll be like, oh, I'm out of space. She'll be like, delete all those games that are like three gigs each. I'm like, no, no, but I might play it someday. So games that I finally started playing in the last couple months that have been on my phone for years. Limbo. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. Platformer. Yeah. Left to right scroll. But kind of does a similar thing where it kind of flips the genre on its head a lot of times. If you are into golf games, mini golf games, Vista Golf. Not going to spend a lot of time on it here because it's very out of genre. Vista Golf. Love it. Yeah. Uh, another game that is more in line with what we play, Oxen Free, which we I think yeah. we might need to do an episode on because it's, it's and that's been free at various times. Has it? Yeah. Okay, I think I, I paid five bucks right now. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, it came out a couple years ago, and then finally, Her Story, which oh, is a yeah. video based. We're gonna do some video watching in Dark Forces Two, by the way. Yes. It looks super cheesy. Uh, Her Story is Rebel done Assault through, too cheesy. It well, it's that, but I think without the kind of CGI over that. Like it's actually, it's not like live action in the sense that it's like, oh, these people put on the like, the ping pong balls and did this like mocap thing. Like this is literally videos in the game. All right, and then let's queue up Sewer Shark after that. Yeah, it looks. I don't know what that is, but it sounds bad. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible video centered video game for Sega CD. Nice. uh, I love it. But yeah, I'll put leaks for all those games I just talked about. But those are games that have been on my phone literally for years that finally I started playing. Uh, I had surgery on my arm the other day, so I've been playing these one-handed games <laughs> the past couple days. So, yeah, those those games are pretty amazing. Exactly. So, Jay, what do you got? Um, uh, first off, uh, maybe check out Desert Golfing if you're enjoying the uh, the golf simulator. Um, it's a lot it of is, really bad um, golf games on iOS. Oh, Desert Golfing is intentionally terrible and evil. I don't like it now. Because it's a uh, procedurally generated uh, level, so it goes kind of to infinity. Oh, no, that's, that's what Vista Golf does, too. Okay, and it's it's really 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 difficult. But there's a story recently about a guy who beat it and got the, the kind of highest score possible ever, and it, it took like thousands of hours. Um, can, I, can I tell you something real quick? Yeah, this is the only time I'll ever brag on this podcast. Okay. Uh, do you remember the game Temple Run was really big about oh, five yeah, years yeah. ago? Loved that game. At one point, I had the highest score in the world on it. You did not. I did on Temple Run. On Temple I'm Run. I'm talking. To the person who got the highest score on Temple Run, for it lasted for less than ten days, and it That's was okay. like slowly went to like third, and then it went to tenth, and then I stopped playing it. But Temple Run, dude, I, I dove into that game for like a month, and then is, I, I got it. Is this a King of Kong type situation? Like, is somebody going to find out that you emulated it? <laughs> this was before you could eat, like screen capture on iOS. Or this oh, is years man. and years ago. Yeah. But it was one of those. Words. Also, where like whenever I'd see anyone else playing it, I'd just be like, Psh. like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Stop, just you're, give you're up. Standing next to one of the greats. What are you doing over here? I'd like screen cap my phone, or I'd I'd screenshot my phone and like show it to him. Be like, yeah, that's right, four million points or whatever it was. Kind of like how I do towards anyone playing Tetris now. Anyway, go right. for it. So last time I think I talked about Cinco Paus. Um, I'm still yeah. playing Cinco Paus. I downloaded uh, it I, yesterday. Oh, I gotta know. I got to know. I'll give I'll give my full review next month. I cannot wait. All right, all right. Um, Cinco Paus. Just just play it long enough so that you get that you actually start to play it. Right. That's all I'll say. Portuguese for five pals. Yes. 
I'll, I'll stick with that. Okay, cool. um, so I've been playing um, Near Automata, uh, which is pretty freaking awesome. And I had to pause it uh, so that I could get back to Psychonauts and get through that. But I'm really excited to get back to Near Automata. Did you have to synco pause it? Uh, nice, nice. Sorry. Um, Sorry. How's that moonshine? That was terrible. Oh, no, that's really good. The joke yeah, was yeah. terrible. Moonshine's great. Great, good. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's weird and it's cool and fun and it it really hits all of my um do androids dream of electric sheep buttons. Mm. And so uh the unfortunately what I've heard about it is that it's a 20-hour game and um it really gets good on the third playthrough and the second playthrough is a little bit wow. of a slog. And so I'm like, "What?" But that that you what I know and this is spoiler alert for Nier Automata, evidently you change characters after the first playthrough. And play the whole game again as a different character. And I'm like, ooh, okay. Okay, I'm interested. Um, And they're doing some interesting things with AI and, uh, you know, what does it mean to be human? And so, yeah, I'm invested. Tell me more. Wow. And you can also hear Jason talk about that game for about five minutes on uh, this past week's, or I guess it's the second episode of uh, our Westworld podcast over on the Overthink. Check that out. Yes. Uh, But yeah, we're doing weekly recap episodes on the Overthink of, of all 10 episodes of season two for Westworld coming up. So, should be the night yes. or maybe the Monday after that show premieres every week. So, uh, yeah, And I've got a new theory that Bernard is actually Jon Snow. So I'm really excited about this theory. We'll see what happens with it. But No, no, but he died. He can't. Jon Snow doesn't come back. No, anyway. Okay, sorry. Uh, All right. You can find us. Uh, our website is menoflowmoralfiber.com. Twitter, we're at MonthPod. Instagram, menoflowmoralfiber. Facebook.com slash menoflowmoralfiber. And then if as soon as you forget all those things and you, you forget how to find us, you can email us at monthpod at gmail.com. M-O-L-M-F-P-O-D at gmail.com. Uh, anything else we have for them? I think that's it. Let's get out of here. Yeah, check out our Patreon. If you want to throw us a couple bucks a month, uh, help us afford these games, help us to spend more time making content for you. Uh, if you miss all of our side quests that we have no time to do these days, uh, if we get a little more money on Patreon, we'll definitely spend more time doing that. But that's patreon.com slash M-O-L-M-F. Uh, we'd really appreciate every single dollar uh, that you guys spend there. Thank you so much. And dive into Dark Forces too. I'm excited to jump into that. Dark Forces was a top three game, I think, for each of us it's so far yes. in month history, the past couple of years. So really excited to see how Dark Forces 2 stacks up. Uh, I'm not thinking maybe not as good as Dark Forces, but we'll see. We'll, we'll let you know it, next It month. got a sequel of its own, so it's, it must be good. Okay. All right. All right. Anyway, yeah, I'm excited to jump into that. Uh, let us know if you need help uh, converting that to whatever type operating system you have. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next month. As always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. I am still a mighty pirate. I am impervious to bullets and love. See you next month.